welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. I'm Larry Goldman, Chief Analyst. Today, I'll be talking with Caroline Gabriel, the Research Director for Networks and 5G, about recent financial results from Ericsson and Nokia and what they might mean for their future. Ericsson and Nokia both recently announced their second quarter financial results, and although the figures themselves were solid rather than spectacular, uh, they provided some positive indicators uh, for the network equipment business in general and some insights into the two vendors' contrasting turnaround strategies. Ericsson and Nokia's businesses are very similar in many ways. In total revenue and profit, they are similar size, and both are long-established major suppliers uh, in the telecoms industry. Both have been through some uh, recent period of decline, are in a turnaround mode, with those plans heavily tied to 5G. But in some notable ways, they're very different, and their second quarter results held some clues uh, that they may diverge more significantly in the future, uh, which we want to talk about here. So, Caroline, uh, what were the basics of Ericsson and Nokia's reported results? Yeah, thanks, Larry. Um, As you said yourself, both vendors reported results that were solid, um, but certainly not spectacular. Um, Ericsson was basically continuing with steady growth in wireless networks, its main business, um, as it has in the past few quarters. Um, It's pulled ahead uh, on its turnaround in recent times. Um, Nokia, by contrast, reported its first growth in its mobile networks business, also its biggest division, for three quarters. So that was uh, was a more striking um, result because really a sign um, of some of some improvement at Nokia. But um, the headline figures, we converted them to US dollars so that we can compare them more easily. But um, Nokia reported 5.9 billion in US um, in sales and 470 million in net profit. And that profit was up 31% year on year, which is noticeable. Um, Ericsson, 6.1 billion uh, sales in US dollars. Um, so very similar to Nokia. Both these vendors um, seeing year-on-year increases in in a few, you know, in single digits, uh, constant currency. Um, Ericsson's profit for the quarter, also very similar to Nokia's, 460 million um, US. Both of them reported quite significant improvements in their 5G deployments, and they continue to to ramp up the the numbers on 5G networks, particularly in non-standalone 5G and RAN. And both were striking quite an optimistic tone about future growth, perhaps more than they have in in recent quarters. North America was particularly strong for both. And Europe was picking up, particularly for Ericsson. Um, So these are obviously core territories. China, of course, is uh, is a challenging market for for both these vendors and was largely discounted um, from what they talked about for, for this quarter. Of course, there's less developed markets that are still primarily deploying 4G. So there's continuity business in 4G, uh, in single RAN uh, and other modernization um, efforts even before 5G kicks in. But really their driver is 5G. And as we said, most 5G revenue today is coming from that first phase, um, the non-standalone 5G. That means there are future phases to come. This isn't just one big rollout. So both Nokia and Ericsson expect to benefit from rising 5G traffic levels, 5G coverage and capacity requirements, which will require continued expansion and critically at some stage will require migration to um, 5G standalone, uh, which involves the 5G core and more of that later, I think. 
Great. So, so we've got sort of the headline level and and the basics of business driven by 5G. But uh, if we look a little bit more into it, so what's what's the rest of the situation for these two? Yeah, drilling down on the detail a bit. Um, I mean, Nokia's interesting. Its mobile networks business experienced um, an increase um, in sales of just about one percent year on year. If, if you're looking at constant currency, uh, it was more than that. Without making that calculation. Um, But it came in at 2.6 billion euros, which is about 2.65 billion US. The interesting thing about that is Nokia is still almost entirely rated, particularly by the financial markets, as a mobile network provider. But look at what it did in its network infrastructure unit, which covers its fixed IP and optical and submarine product portfolios. That grew at 12% at constant currency and got to 2.2 billion euros, so only 0.4 billion behind the mobile networks business. So this is making Nokia look quite different from how it's often publicly perceived as being very, very mobile centric. In fact, ever since it acquired Alcatel-Lucent and has really built up the, the fixed line business since, um, it, it's very much a, an all-round network provider now. And even though that network infrastructure business, um, as you said, it's now almost as large as, as the mobile business. And, you know, it, it's got fewer competitors, few really peer group competitors. So, so although Nokia is still uh, measured primarily as a mobile business, perhaps um, that should slowly change. But certainly at the minute, it was those signs of 5G turnaround, particularly in Nokia's comments from the CEO, that really boosted market confidence. And of course, that in turn helps to boost operator and customer confidence um, for Nokia. Meanwhile, over at Ericsson, its networks division, which is almost um, entirely wireless, saw sales go up by 6%. um, And that was really driven by significant market share gains in RAN. Um, The Ericsson CEO was was, uh, estimating 39% now. And really really taking advantage of a, a very strong performance in the early phase um, of 5G RAN contracts um, where Ericsson has has outperformed uh, its competitors. But however, both vendors were very positive on the outlook for the RAN market um, on the back of further 5G expansion. They're looking at the next two or three years continuing to get a lot of uptick from, from 5G deployment and at some stage, um, really starting to see some scale coming into 5G core deployments, although at the moment, vendors will will acknowledge that that is going more slowly than, than they'd hoped for a year or so ago. Well, when we're looking at companies reporting their quarterly financials, it seems like uh, we're always going to have to talk about supply chain problems. So uh, Ericsson and Nokia were no different in that respect, uh, but they did have somewhat different views on how to deal with it, didn't they? They did. I mean, really, they, their strategy, their response to um, component shortages and so on has has been um, very different, particularly in, in the last quarter or two. Certainly, the supply chain problems that sprung out of the pandemic have um, limited both companies' ability to ship some of the orders uh, they had in hand. But Nokia was more upbeat about this, and their CEO, Pekka Lundmark, um, was noticeably more upbeat than uh, his counterpart at Ericsson, Borja Ekholm, about particularly about the impact of the supply chain on the year ahead. Uh, Lundmark expects component shortages to ease in the second half of this year and then get better thereafter. And, and that's not just his view. We are hearing that from some other major players um, in, in the industry. But it's it's uh, for Nokia, this is driving a forecast 
that for the full year, their mobile network sales, as we said, this is the critical figure um, as far as their investors are concerned. They're driving a, a they're looking for a five percent. Um, increase in 2022 compared to 2021, even though for the first half, if you take the, the first two quarters together, mobile network sales have actually fallen 2% year on year. So you can see that means the first quarter um, was quite poor. The second quarter has caught up significantly and turned to positive. But clearly to get 5% for the full year, they're looking for quite a significant further uptick in uh, the, the third and fourth quarters. In terms of the supply chain problems themselves. Um, Ericsson took a more proactive approach. It very much worked on invested on building up inventory of components, um, stockpiling certain key components to ensure that it could continue fulfilling its contracts. Nokia invested less in that, built up less um, inventory, and it did acknowledge that it could have done more business if it had greater availability of supplies. However, it's a sort of fine call as to which of them called this better. Ericsson's policy was one factor that uh, depressed its gross margin, along with a fall in patent licensing. They were the main factors. And the stock markets were very negative on Ericsson's results, even though they were really quite similar to Nokia's, um, mainly because of that drop in gross margin. It went from 43.4% a year ago to 42.1%. It's a very, very closely watched figure um, by, by investors, of course. Nokia also reported a fall in gross margin. It went from 40.9 to 40.2, so it's below Ericsson's. Um, but nonetheless, it got a positive reaction. The markets were chiefly moved by the mobile network's turnaround, as we said. But also, it looks like Nokia may be proved right in doing less stockpiling than Ericsson and therefore um, you know, having less impact uh, on its profitability because it does look as if the component shortages, um, particularly in the telecom industry, are, are going to ease perhaps more quickly than many analysts, but including Ericsson itself, had expected. So we're continuing to deal with supply chain issues, but it seems overall that they think they're, they're easing up. They're not going away, but they're easing up a bit. So moving on from that then, Caroline, both vendors seem to avoid talk about 5G standalone as a distinct thing. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there was a lot of talk in the uh, uh, in the analyst discussions following the results uh, about the supply chain issues, as, as we've discussed. But neither really called out something that the, well, from now for the next three years or so, is going to be arguably a lot more um, influential on their future results and their ability to grow. And that's the move from the first phase of 5G to 5G standalone, um, which involves the deployment of 5G core, which is a, a, a major um, uh, undertaking for most operators and therefore a strong source of business for the vendors and, and will probably also be accompanied by further uh, RAN expansion um, once standalone gets underway. We've seen that um, with some of the few operators such as T-Mobile USA that have done standalone at, at scale. It's also driving extra RAN contracts. So this is very important in terms of maintaining momentum um, around 5G for both these vendors, getting them additional contracts. And the, the core is um, in some ways more strategic. It has a very good effect on uh, on profit margins and so on. I think this is it's particularly important to Nokia. Um, Ericsson has incumbent advantage now in having done very well in the first phase of 5G. And for, for operators who have very heavily sort of 
um, committed to Ericsson now, it will take a significant architecture change um, to really make it worthwhile to think about going to a different vendor or introducing a different vendor to the mix. So Nokia really, I think, needs some of these standalone projects to, to come online where it can bid to become part um, of, of, a, of a deployment, even one that it wasn't involved in before, by supplying the core. And there are operators who are buying core from Nokia uh, and not RAN. So they, they know that they can um, present themselves well in the core market, but they need the operators to start putting out the big RFPs and the big contracts for 5G standalone. And so far that is going a lot more slowly than well than we as analysts had expected a couple of years ago. Um, and certainly both Nokia and Ericsson acknowledged that um, it, it's not going as quickly as, as they had hoped and forecast either. So, uh, so for both companies, mobile networks is the most important part of the business. And, and, and they're kind of evaluated broadly on this uh, overall. That's what we've been talking about here. Ericsson's mobile business is, is bigger, more recently successful. Uh, but both of them are really looking for growth in other areas. Uh, Nokia actually only gets about, as you mentioned, about two-thirds of its revenue from, from mobile. And also, it does about 10% of its business with enterprises, while nearly all of Ericsson's revenue is from, from telecom. So, so Nokia, as you, as you pointed out, kind of has this strong position in another segment. Do you think Ericsson's just going to stay with kind of operator mobile and leave these up with their opportunities to, to Nokia? No, I don't think it will. I've, I think it's had less urgency to diversify its business than Nokia. And when Ekholm took over as CEO, I, I think he very much pulled back from some of the diversification his predecessor had been pursuing, including a lot of direct-to-enterprise business. So he sort of took the view that enterprise business should always go through operators. But now I think we're seeing Ericsson changing on this, um, looking to be a bit more like Nokia in, in the enterprise mix and also in putting a lot of emphasis on, um, on the cloud portfolio. Um, so they're a little bit behind, as I say, because they've had this very big um, increase in market share in their traditional business. They probably haven't had quite the same urgency to generate new revenue streams than Nokia, uh, which had a bad start in, in 5G. Um, but they're certainly following along now in the enterprise side. They're investing in technology and services to offer to enterprises, and that can be either through operators or direct to enterprise. And the, the big foundations of that change are really the acquisitions of Cradlepoint last year, and just recently Vonage, which was um, announced that on the earnings call that that is now finalised. And Ericsson made a big point on the call about the importance of future enterprise market growth, because although there's obviously an uptick from 5G in the telecom space at the moment, that won't last forever. We don't know what 6G will look like and, you know, from the point of view of, of the big vendors and when that will really kick in. So it's very important um, to both companies uh, that they tap into the expected rising demand of 5G and, and telecom network deployment um, within enterprise. So we do think that both Nokia and Ericsson are going to put much more emphasis on enterprise customers going forward and derive a lot more growth from them, particularly as private 5G grows in importance. And private 5G is certainly in a place where Nokia has quite a lot of advantage. Well, at least it has a lot of advantage in private wireless. A lot of that is 4G at the minute, and uh, Nokia will acknowledge that there is a challenge to make sure that they sort of convert that 4G success into 5G in a slightly 
different competitive environment, um, especially with Ericsson now chasing them uh, more aggressively. But by contrast with the big 5G brands, this is the area where Nokia currently has uh, has home advantage. Okay, thanks, Caroline. So, you know, in, in contrast, the low single-digit growth we see from Ericsson Nokia, the cloud businesses are consistently showing strong growth. Uh, and they've gotten you know pretty big businesses. For instance, uh, Microsoft second quarter uh, results showed that their cloud business, the cloud business in particular, was up 28% on the quarter, and now it's an annualized uh, $100 billion a year run rate. So high growth in, in, in a big business. Uh, so Ericsson and Nokia seem to be missing out on this, don't you think, Caroline? Yes. Um, I mean, they certainly are not comparable with the hyperscalers, of course, but the, the cloud is becoming inherent to the networks that they sell, or it will do as they evolve in the coming years, plus many cloud services and cloud-based technologies that they can offer to uh, to telecom customers, never mind broader markets. So we do think Nokia and Ericsson recognise that, and they are increasingly emphasising both um, cloud platforms and, and cloud services strategically for growth. But of course, it is quite a small part of their business, and they are quite a small part of the bigger cloud picture. And I think it's uh, it, it will be interesting to see how much they can they can expand that in the years ahead. But they're trying. Nokia has its cloud and network services segment, and it now breaks that out in financials, putting a much more obvious emphasis on that as one of its strategic growth drivers. But again, as with enterprise, and we're seeing Ericsson following suit. Um, so in the second quarter, Ericsson announced the creation of its own new cloud software and services business unit, and it will report on that financially in the future. Uh, and that will make it easier to compare these two with one another and, and with other competitors in this particular area. So undoubtedly, I think cloud technology and cloud services will be far more important for both of them uh, in the future, as well as the enterprise business. Thanks, Caroline. Uh, so we have both Nokia and Ericsson with solid mobile business. And Ericsson's been on track with this for the past several quarters, while Nokia's finally uh, shown some notable improvement just this, this past quarter. So mobile networking is the most important uh, for both of them. But, but as we've been saying, uh, the future growth really is likely to come more from enterprise customers and cloud services, where at this point, at any rate, Nokia has something of an advantage. Well, we'll need to wrap it up for now. We have written an article on this, and there's a link in the show notes uh, to our article on this. Thanks, everyone, for listening.